Here we go. West Hills Friends is a Quaker meeting in Portland, Oregon. You can find more information about our community at westhillsfriends.org. As a Quaker community, we encourage everyone to share from their hearts. Especially as it pertains to God's leading in their lives. These words are shared into a community that values the opportunity to respond and dialogue about what is said. The responses and dialogue are not included in this recording. The views expressed in this content are solely those of the original contributor. And do not necessarily speak for the entire West Hills Friends community. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Good morning, everybody. Again. It's me again. So um, this message was actually uh, supposed to be delivered a month ago. Um, and it was one of those Sundays where we got quite a bit of snow um, out, out our way. And so I was unable to make it in. And um, April uh, beautifully stepped in for me that morning and read the scripture passage that I was going to share. So we're going to get kind of a double dose of this scripture passage, and um, I'll read it for you now. It's Matthew 13, 31 through 32. He put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds. But when it has grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. The other interesting thing about um, this message was that it was originally scheduled to be delivered on Evolution Sunday. Uh, for those of you who don't know, we partner with churches throughout the United States to um, recognize that the church and um, science are not enemies of one another. And um, so I decided that uh, time doesn't really, Greg, you have something beautiful to say about time, right? Um, that it, it really doesn't matter. Uh, we can celebrate Evolution Sunday a month late. So here we go. A few weeks ago, it came to my attention that I had signed up to be the person bringing the message on Evolution Sunday. I hadn't signed up intentionally for this day. It just fell into a new agreement that Martha and I made about the rotation of bringing messages. When I was reminded it was Evolution Sunday, I thought, well, you couldn't have asked for a more unqualified person to speak on this Sunday. I have always been ter a terrible math and science student, but only recently have I realized why. It was because I never had teachers who pointed to the poetry in those subjects. All I knew was that my brain had to work extra hard to stay engaged, that I wasn't finding excitement in the work. All throughout high school, I learned exactly what I needed to for a test and immediately dumped all that learning into the trash can afterwards. 
Then I became friends with Alice Broderick, Elaine Stewart, Claudia Carlo, David Payton, Julie Payton, David Terrell, Serenity Wade, and so many others here in this community, lovers of science and math, who showed me the poetry in their passions. I started getting it, and I started becoming more interested. So I don't come to you as an expert this morning, and maybe some of the things I'm about to say are total baloney, but I come to you as an artist, mystic, dreamer, who has found in the natural world a bounty of meaning and beauty. I came to you as a follower of Jesus who does not see science as an enemy, but as a companion to the richness of wonder we find ourselves in. <clears throat> as you know, I spent my formative years as a Christian in the evangelical tradition. It was here that I grew skeptical of science. Science was making a calculated effort to embarrass us. It wanted to make God out to be a liar or great manipulator. It wanted to make its followers out to be buffoons. It wanted to present evidence on the age of the earth when the dinosaurs lived. It wanted to shatter the timeline of human existence. It wanted to challenge the notion that God formed us humans with his own hands instead of a, and, and instead suggest we were nothing but apes. The battle lines were drawn. On top of that, the natural world was just temporary anyway. Our real home was in heaven. So all this save the planet stuff was just new age nonsense, claimed by earth worshipers, hippies, and other lost souls. The earth wasn't worth saving. It was desecrated land, teeming with temptation and evil. Our job was to save people from this place and promise a better one. So, coupled with my struggles as a science math kid in school, and my worldview having been shaped by my religious upbringing, I didn't have tons of incentive to see God in the natural world. Then, I met the Christian hippies. Yep, in 2005, I bumped into a wild group of people that had been riding a wave I was just now getting on. The wave of disillusionment with the faith traditions of our childhoods. Before long, we were finding isolated patches of woods in the suburbs of Philadelphia to hang up hammocks and made those places our study halls. I haven't really looked back since. I found in my disillusionment with evangelical Christianity that my abilities to know and love God depend on my ability to commune with the natural world and to fall into wonder with, the, with my place within it. It no longer was an enemy, but my savior. This is still true for me today, which is telling. This way of seeing survived the ebbs and flows that, came, that come with newfound interests, trends, and ways of thinking. It has proven to be foundational. I want to highlight a couple of areas that speak to this foundation and how science and the natural world continue to sustain my faith in God and the life and teachings of Jesus beyond the constant intellectual bombardments of doubt and questioning. <clears throat> Humans are complex. Communities are complex. Cultures are complex. Nations, 
everything complex. The natural world and what science has revealed about it have shown us that complexity springs forth from relatively simple interactions, that our existence is fractal, that the whole is a mirror of the parts. The health of the cell is the health of the species and the planet. This idea is laid out in front of us every single day in the natural world all around us. It is an offering, a gift to us in times of chaos, confusion, and hopelessness. If we have eyes to see this, then we will be unable to ignore the reality that God is all around us. In the blades of grass, the grove of oak trees, the migrating birds, the dandelions, and the cells making up our bodies. Here, I am borrowing from some insights from Adrienne Marie Brown, the African-American writer and activist based out of Detroit. Almost every morning over the last few weeks, I know it is nearly time to wake up by the sound of geese flying over my house. We are witness to just a few of these migrations with nearly 4,000 species of birds moving across our planet every, every year. Did you know that the Arctic Tern in just one year will fly nearly 50,000 miles? In its lifetime, it will have flown the distance equivalent to three trips to the moon and back. Some birds will fly for 7,000 straight miles, flying nonstop for eight straight days, no food, no rest. Most of these birds bulk up for their long journeys, but there aren't complex plans drawn up in advance. They feel in their bodies, in their bones, and in their cells that it is time to take to the sky with their community. Our friend Elijah spoke about the poetry to be found in migrating geese as they take turns taking the point position and falling back in the formation to rest and rely on the breaks in the air resistance their companion in front of them is creating. There was poetry in this movement of creating space for one another while staying aligned enough to maintain a shared direction. This collaboration means that 160 billion birds are able to migrate every year. That is a staggering number. But it is possible when we look at the work each member of that flock does to make it possible. Recently, scientists uh, have discovered that forests communicate with each other. Scientist Suzanne Simard tells us that under the ground are fungal threads that form a mycelium and that mycelium infects and colonizes the roots of all the trees and plants. And where the fungal cells interact with the root cells, there's a trade of carbon for nutrients. And that fungus gets those nutrients by growing through the soil and coating every soil particle. The web is so dense that there can be hundreds of kilometers of mycelium under a single footstep. And not only that, the mycelium connects different individuals in the forests. Individuals not only of the same species, but between species, like birch and fir. And it works kind of like the internet. 
Forests sim aren't simply collections of trees. They're complex systems with hubs and networks that overlap and connect trees and allow them to communicate. And they provide avenues for feedbacks and adaptation. And this makes the forest resilient. Friends, do I even need to make any commentary about that? <laughs> we can hear that and then take a stroll in the forest and be walking above a parable. A parable Jesus could have told himself. Below our feet is a reality, a story, that may contain as much information as we need to learn about what is required of humanity when it comes to community building, collaboration, and communication. If God is not infused in that, then I don't know what is. And speaking of parables, let's revisit briefly the one Jesus told about the mustard seed. We may not know the impact that story had on its original listeners, because for them, they knew what the mustard seed was, an invasive species. Like the dandelions in our yards, one mustard seed has the potential to make entire fields. But does the dandelion see itself as a weed? We might, but maybe we can also learn a few things about how to be so prolific ourselves. As Adrian Brown says, we can return fertility to the soil around us. We will continue to do a great disservice to the world if we ignore the answers readily available to us in the natural world. Our faith and the communities formed around it may search forever in vain for answers to our dysfunction, while just outside our walls, the ground and skies are teeming with all the wisdom we seek. If we can see in this way, then the natural world is a resource, but not a resource to be consumed, but one to be venerated and consulted. I know I'm not the only one in this community who has found in the natural world a source of deep connection to God. It was in the Ponderosa Pine and the sagebrush country of the Cascade Siskiyou National Monument in Southern Oregon that my faith was restored. In just a few weeks, I will return there for a week and I will be able to smell in the air my arriving on the other side of disillusionment and the greeting of a gentler God. As we enter into open worship, I wonder, if you'd like to, enter into a simple meditation with me. As we settle in, I wonder if you can enter into these sacred natural spaces in our hearts and minds. I wonder if we can pay attention to the connection these places have in our own stories and the spiritual strings that connect and tether us to them. What wisdom have they gifted us? How have we been transformed by them? If you'd rather chew on some queries, here are some. What parables are surrounding us each and every day in the natural world? How have you been able to see the depth of wonder and wisdom around you? How has that been a teacher? Hey, thanks for listening to our podcast. 
We're really happy that so many of you are finding it to be helpful and as a way to stay connected with what's going on with us here at West Hills Friends. If you'd like to stay connected with us in other ways, we have a couple options for you. You can check out our website. It's westhillsfriends.org. There you'll find some more information about who we are as a community. You can also follow us on Facebook. We have a Facebook account by just searching for West Hills Friends. You can also follow us on Instagram. We have a Instagram account with the name West Hills Friends. So we hope that you'll get connected with us in other ways. And again, thanks for taking the time to listen to this podcast.